Hello everyone and welcome to the Dynasty Roundtable. Davis Maddox, Pat Crane with you. We'll see if Jacob Sanderson joins. Jacob uh, is a real adult now with a real job, so maybe he doesn't always have time to come and debate with us on if he would give a 2024 first round pick for Justin Fields or not. We are through three weeks of the NFL season. We are recording this on Tuesday, September 26, 2023. Uh, I made, Pat, way more changes to my dynasty ranks than than if we had done this conversation three weeks ago and said, how much do you think you would change in your mm-hmm. dynasty rankings in three weeks? I'd say, well, you know, I'll move some guys here or there. I'll test some priors. I, I was, and I actually found this to be true in my own leagues as well in terms of like making trades. Like I've already seen some pretty dramatic stuff. Obviously a part of that is, injuries to two guys um that we really liked it well one guy we really liked in jk dobbins and then one guy who the community really liked in nick chubb but also the quarterbacks i mean i feel like the first three weeks we've learned a shit ton about a lot of these young quarterbacks and obviously in super flex tight end premium that's gonna be that's gonna be a big thing yeah for sure i think this is like kind of the hardest part of of doing dynasty rankings is the in-season part of it. Cause in the off season, I feel like I know, like I, first of all, you have like established ADP that you can work off of as like, there's a, there's a, a lot of market. There's a lot about. of, exactly. The market is sort of established and then you can apply principles on top of the market and gain an advantage. But here, like, I think you're kind of being asked to be more of the market. Like you, you kind of need to sort of stand you need to take well, a you have to be from... you have to be the market maker right now. You have to be right? the market maker. That's what yes. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to you have to decipher, you know, what's noise, what's what's signal here from uh, you know, to use Ben Gretsch's uh stealing signals terms, but it's like that that's what we're trying to do but for dynasty, which is even harder because like if we're way off, like if Puka is a uh, flash in the pan, it's going to hurt way more in dynasty than any other format because there's people that are taking a stand like oh this guy's re- this guy's for real and he I might moved be for him, real and, and they could be I a moved steal way 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 up so i think that's yeah. probably where i think, I think that's probably thinking, but i think that's probably where we should start so i moved nakua from being unranked um in in my last run i moved him up to 66th overall uh i have him one spot behind Traylon Burks and honestly you could tell me you know, Traylon Burks is dead. Traylon Burks dreams. Does Traylon Burks have as many targets in his career as Puka Nakua does have in these three games? Like, honestly, I I, I literally, I literally don't even know. Um, So I have him ahead of Christian Kirk, Hollywood Brown, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin. I have Keenan Allen very low in these rankings because he's old. And because I do think so much of this short-term spike that we're seeing is as a result of, uh, Austin Eckler not being in the lineup. Obviously, he did, as you and I are recording this, just have 18 catches for 215 yards and a 50-yard passing touchdown. So it seems kind of insane to have him worth like a, the 204 next season or whatever yeah. in, in rookie drafts, But which is the hard part of what we're doing, you know, because we're still having to apply some heuristics to this conversation that we're having. Yeah, I still have Keenan. I have him one spot ahead of of Puka actually um, just cause I think like, and, and this is the difficult thing, right? Like Keenan, I think is now set up for a massive season. Then you have the issue of do the chargers move on after the year, which seemed very likely to start the season. But I would say that has become less likely now that Mike Williams 
will be coming off a torn ACL and Quentin Johnson doesn't look all that good so far. Now that could, that could change in a big way, but like, as we sit here today, I don't really see the chargers being psyched about moving on from Keenan Allen after the season. So especially because they've been playing two tight end sets and an undrafted rookie from TCU over Quentin Johnston through three weeks of the season. That seems right. Yeah. And then, you know, Johnston profiled as kind of a a raw prospect. Um, Their wide receivers coach is is really interesting. Um, I I read an athletic piece on him that made me actually more bullish about, about Johnston because he just seems like such a good wide receivers coach, but you know, that could take time. And, and maybe by the end of the season, Johnson looks like an emerging star, but Again, in late September, I'm a little bit more optimistic that Allen will return to the team, although that is a major concern that you basically are. He's a one year rental, essentially, is probably how you should treat it. But even as a one year rental, I mean, he's pretty good rental. You know, he's but this this gets into the this gets into the context of like, so if I'm trading a 2024 first. A team that would be willing to give him away for a 2024 first would be a a rebuilding team, a team that is certainly right. not one of the better teams in your league. And then at that point, you're going, okay, well, what is my 2024 first buy? And you're like, well, shit. I mean, you know, Devontae Adams is 31 years old and is a one-year rental, and I would rather have Devontae Adams as a one-year rental, you know? Yeah, I think you're trying with seconds and packages. I, I don't think you want to just give a first straight up for – for Keenan. But right. I also am nervous about giving a first straight up for Puka, to be honest. Oh, I, mean, I haven't, I haven't Puka, 70th. He feels like such a found money situation. You know, like if you have, if you took Puka with the fourth round with your, you know, the 404 or whatever in your rookie draft, you're like, I'm starting him. I'm feeling good. I'm actually in two leagues where this was the case where like, and not even that I even liked him as a prospect. You know, I probably just took whoever was at the top uh, or or I had a good running back team, so I needed wide receiver darts or something. And it's so funny. I actually think people will learn the wrong lesson from this Nakua thing, which is, oh, I, you know, I need to be taking wide receivers with the, the fourth round rookie picks, which is like the exact wrong lesson you, to learn. Yeah. You like yeah. really can't, you really should not be doing that, you know, because you're so much more likely to get a running back hit and the payoff on the tight ends who go in this range, you know, Brenton Strange for the Jaguars, who did not make my list, but like he's out there playing snaps for the Jaguars right now and might be their plan as soon as next season at tight end or whatever. And then that turns into a huge hit. And I mean, we are having this all time terrible season at tight end for fantasy football. This is where I ultimately landed on Puka. There was enough signal retroactively in his prospect profile because of the targets per route run stuff and the weirdness of COVID intersecting with his season. You know, he only got to play three games as a sophomore. So I'm actually not holding it against him so much that he didn't declare as a junior mm-hmm. the way the mm-hmm. way you, you need to do with wide receiver prospects. And, you know, he had some injuries while he was in college. Like there's enough signal that what he was he, hurt at the combine they mentioned on the on the broadcast last night. And he, so he, led, he was slow. He led college football in targets per route run his final season at BYU. It's pretty good, right? Pretty good. Pretty good to lead college football in that stuff. Sort of, uh, actually sort of like a Marvin Mimsy style prospect in the sense that the raw stuff maybe doesn't look that good. But if you do a little bit of digging, he looks really, really good. And then, you know, the other thing is Cooper Cup, 
like we've heard a lot of weird stuff about this hamstring injury. It's very weird to go on short on the short term IR for a thing. I, I this is ultimately where I landed, which is that Atwell is staying exactly in his role. He's going to stay in that role. He'll probably get a contract extension with the Rams. Cup will come back and play his role, and then Van Jefferson snaps are like I think actually going to go to zero. Van's done. Yeah, like Van's Van is done. done. Van is Van is completely done. So there's enough meat on the bone. For Cup to get his targets, Nakua probably loses a little bit of that raw target volume, but obviously has all this upside of Cooper Cup never comes back. He re-aggravates this hamstring injury. Like he's got all kinds of this upside. I I guess where you struggle is okay, like what happens with this Rams thing? Does what do they do? Is Stet is Stetson Bennett their quarterback next year? Does Sean McVay actually retire? You know, that that is where you start to get into the questions. But then you have questions like that with everybody. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and I think with Puka, if he's like awesome, we don't care that much about those questions. Like it it's the difference of him if he's awesome being like one of the most valuable players in the entire league versus him being a highly coveted player. <laughs> like right. again, this is assumes he's awesome. But um I think the cup thing, even for this year, is maybe a bigger deal than than most people. Again, I have him 70th, but I think I'm the lowest of the three of us. Um, and I just I think he's 67 for me. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Six, I think Jacob's quite a bit higher. Let me see. Um, and Jacob's actually, at 45, so he's in. He's all the I, way in. I already realized I did something wrong here. I, I am way too low on Sam Laporta. I need to move Laporta up like another 30 spots, actually, after looking at this. I mean, I this the whole point of these pods to me is to move my rankings as we do them. <laughs> so I, the rankings aren't done until we pod. Um, I, with Puka and Cup, like, I think Cup comes back, right? The Rams look... They're what one and two, so they're not having this amazing season. But they also don't look like the type of team that's they're, throwing. They're not the as season. dead as we thought they were going to be, which is maybe like the not even signal. Close. Yeah, yeah. So Cup's going to be back when he's back, and look who's here. You know, all right, we got we got we got Jacob. Uh, he's he's logging in late. Where Jacob, we are we are mid Puka Nakua discussion, finding out that you have him forty fifth overall, way higher than we have him. Jacob, did they make you? Did they make you uh, at your law firm do the Matt Damon haircut? Uh, they did not make me do the Matt Damon haircut. This is the. Uh, this was the. I was writing until one in the morning. I set my initial alarm for six. Tried to go back to sleep for half an hour. Unfortunately, did not. <laughs> um, so this is this is the hair, this is a very naturally occurring haircut. He literally, um, like, we literally have Mikey, Mikey McDermott with us here right now. This is, wow. this is unbelievable. It's wild. Yeah. That's why I couldn't show up to the pod. I think I've only ever recorded with you guys with a backwards hat on probably. So I don't think you ever got the chance to see this. It's also been pretty <laughs> long in the past. We, we chopped it off recently. So, wow. Um, yeah. Where do you guys have Puka? We have him a I little have bit him... lower. 66 pat has 70. him 70 so you're you are the Nakua bull yeah i guess i'm the Nakua bull um yeah i think most of it is just once we get through like a certain level of player which is pretty much like right before we get to where i have puka uh i think that the odds for like truly difference making production start to go down considerably 
And while Puka's floor is like really, really tiny, uh, I think that probably the odds of, you know, a guy who's just going to score like 18 plus points per game for a given season. Uh, I feel probably more bullish about it being the guy who just came out and earned a gazillion targets right from the jump. So I guess I'm the Puka bull. Uh, I think that he's already shown enough, frankly, where like barring like, I don't know, like barring going full Fulgham, like if he just kind of has like a mediocre. Rest oh of the season, God. He's yeah. worth, he's like going to be worth it too, regardless next off season. Right. Like I think he's shown enough to me that I don't think the floor is like completely going to drop out. Right. Like Romeo dubs had a really cool preseason was mostly shitty all season. And he was still worth a second round pick. So I think people sometimes overemphasize like how much the floor is zero. Um, yeah. I think this, I think the case for Puka would just be like, Number one thing, wide receiver for upside is earning targets. This guy's earned an absolute shit ton. Um, and, you know, we had something interesting in his college profile too, right? Like I know Gretz did a big post on kind of diving yeah, into the, his targets for route run and stuff. Targets and, per uh, route that, run. That swayed and, me for sure. Yeah. And also just the fact that he got he, – Pac-12 players, we're, we're going to keep finding this. Pac-12 players are going to – their profiles are going to be all messed up because they got to play like – six games in 2020 and 2021 mm-hmm. like they were just their stuff was all messed up um this is the player comp that i am using in my head uh in terms of a guy who came completely out of nowhere and then absolutely smashed and then kept it up for a while miles austin where austin mm-hmm. i different because he was a, a total undrafted free agent and didn't play as a rookie but also they sort of win in similar ways they ended up on teams that were not really all that good. You know, those those Cowboys were like nine and seven, eight and eight type teams. Um, and also just kind of stylistically, they kind of remind me of one another, just just sort of watching them. Um, that Nakua is bigger than Miles Austin was. And Austin sustained that production for a decent period, but when he lost it, he did go to zero pretty, pretty quickly. He also was uh he was an injury prone guy. Um but that that is the comp I have in my head. The best sign I think for for uh, for Puka is he had like seven for five seventy two last night, and people were like miserable online. Yeah, that's a good. That is actually. A <laughs> great I was point. like, that's like a pretty good pack game. He had twelve fantasy points without <laughs> a touchdown. People are like losing their minds. I was like, that's great, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually true. that's actually a really good point. Is that is that a game where Atwell gets more yards than him and people are, are, you know, the world's ending. I do think that, I guess I'm just more bullish on what the rest of Cooper cup season looks like. than I think the general market, I'm not sure exactly when we'll be back, but I was telling Davis, like the Rams look competitive. They're not going to throw away the season. I don't think they'll just shut down cup. So, you know, maybe cups injury takes them six weeks, takes them seven weeks. Right. Um, It could be a totally like lost season for where you drafted him in fantasy, but for the purposes of, you know, Nakua's outlook, I still think cup could come back and really impact Nakua in a negative way and make us feel like, okay, you did a good job filling in, especially if he kind of tails off a bit and then cup comes back. And yeah, if he has, if he has four hmm. for 40 next week and still yeah. doesn't have a touchdown when cup comes back, you're yeah, that's, that's where I could see that happening. Now we're talking about, two big games in week two, a decent stretch, and then Cup comes back and it's very intermittent. You know, like, <laughs> Nakua 
like if Nakua has three targets in one game where Cup is active, people are going to freak. You know, yeah, it was yeah. all a mirage. So I do think like I want to be a little bit careful about what I'm giving up for Nakua right now. I, just, I would give up I just a late would not, first. I just would like, not trade for him right now. I don't think. I think yeah. ultimately is where is that's where I'm at, which is that I just ultimately I don't believe enough. Also, we well, we that's not guys. really what our rankings say. Like our rankings are like this dude's a guy you should get. Um, so something that would hold me back, and I guess people do say this every single year. So maybe I just need to listen to myself. But the 2024 class is actually like. I mean, three of these guys are going to be in the top 15 dynasty yeah. rankings next year. Drake May. Isn't that Harry. good, though, at the range of trading for Puka? Because like no one's trading a top six first. Well, I guess maybe some people are, but we're well, not. I'm not even trading a top so, six first for Puka. I haven't rated it as like a late first. I'm going to be mega bullish on Braylon Allen. Like when we do this show off season okay. and we're arguing about guys, I'm going to be like, I'm trying to get to the 107 in every draft so I can get Braylon Allen. And you guys are going to look at Braylon Allen and be like, not this it's not it. it's definitely not going to be for you guys and then you the mean other guy, backup yeah exactly the other guy is malik neighbors for lsu who is just like every week has like 180 yards and three touchdowns and i think is going to be really strong at the combine and he's sort of like a late riser then we have some uh university of texas guys worthy and ewers i think ewers is going to get drafted fairly high there's a couple oregon wide like basically I'm prepared to be higher than the market on like the 108 through 205 range in the 2024 class. And that is playing into my analysis of what pick I would give up. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's totally reasonable. Um, to respond to, to what you were saying, Pat, though, quick, like I agree with you about cop. Like I, I am very bullish about what's going to happen with cop. I think part of that's just that I like drafted cop on a few high stakes teams. And so I'd rather be bullish than miserable. Right. Um, so I'm choosing to read into the positives, but I, I don't think that that's death. Like for me, when I'm trading for Puka, what I'm trying to have in mind is like, there's some chance that he's literally nothing. There's some chance that he's just going to keep being this superstar. But like what I'm, trying to have in mind is like, what would I trade for a 22 year old Robert Woods? Like, like if he yeah, can just yeah. be That's like, if right he can note. be, if he can be Bob Woods from like the golf era into like maybe the very start of the Stafford era before he tears ACL, like, you know, what would I take for that? And to me, like, that's like, Woods was like, what he was kind of between wide receiver 12 to wide receiver 18 for a lot of that range. Um, I know he used to, I know he had like top ball finishes, but in points per game, he was usually a high end wide receiver too. Like if you got that out of Jordan Addison in his career, you're pretty stoked. I think like, like, so I feel probably a, a little bit more excited about it with Puka. And then kind of the fun of it is just, I guess I'm really bought into this McVay system where, yeah, I don't know if Puka is elite, but I think he has the traits that McVeigh needs to like run his offense through him. And if McVeigh is like going to stick around for a while, I, I think that that's probably even the guy that I'm more, I'm more attached to than Stafford. Like even if Stafford is gone, like I feel like as long, as long as McVeigh is there, then that would be uh, that he would be a player. Although he, he, he might retire when Stafford might. does. And you know, yeah. Yeah. But maybe, maybe now that he has Puka, he feels like he's full of life again. 
Did you guys, uh, I mean, this is this is very um, inside baseball, but last night the Los Angeles Rams ran the most hilariously concentrated offense I have ever seen. Uh, they played three wide receivers over 87% of the snaps. Ben Skaronek got 12 snaps. Demarcus Robinson got one. The second tight end got two snaps. And Kyron Williams played every offensive snap, which wow. is actually something to be bullish about when you're thinking about investing in Rams players because they just right. do not this is not like Jalen Rager's rookie season where he's playing 44% of the snaps where right. we can't figure out if that's why why sucks. is that happening right right <laughs> what possible reason right exactly but it's like Did it's someone like, message Andy Reid to consider this plan <laughs> well I think Andy I mean Andy what Andy Reid is doing for fantasy is very annoying but I think it's pretty GTO because they're just trying to figure out if any of these guys can play at all and um I don't even remember what I did I agree Joshi I just don't Rice. care about the well-being of the Chiefs so I prefer him to figure it out faster okay uh I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us with a nuclear take <laughs> wait, 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 here wait. on I, oh go ahead I want to finish up the Puka thing because I because the guy that I want to bring up as a potential comparison is Terry McLaurin who yeah. was a third oh. round pick, yeah. but was drafted um, in fantasy drafts quite low. There was not much enthusiasm for him coming into yeah. the league. Yeah, we um, just had a bunch well. of Ohio State wide receiver busts is totally why. Yeah. And he whereas, was not, whereas now, if you his production profile was ass. His ass, yeah, yeah. was. And he had like a weird peripheral stat thing. I think he led the nation in yards per target. So he had like one of those little, oh. little deep nuggets. Um but anyway, so I wrote an article in 2019, October 2019 for Rotoviz, and I was not a McLaurin guy, but I dug into it and I was like, I think we need to be in on McLaurin because the thing I came around, the thing that struck me was that I said, um, McLaurin is very likely to post 800 yards and five touchdowns because he already had 408 at that mm-hmm. point, and it would make him just the fifth rookie since 2008. Drafted outside the NFL's top two rounds to do so. Two of the previous four, Mike Williams, the Tampa Bay version, Keenan Allen, uh, were drafted in the first three rounds of startup the following year. The other two, T.Y. Hilton and Cooper Cup, were drafted in the late sixth round at picks 70 and 71. Uh, only Justin Blackman, who was facing a four-game suspension as a rookie, went outside the top six rounds. So basically, I was just like, this, it doesn't even like, once you get to a certain level of production, it's going to lead to value. Like we're gonna, everything's gonna wash away from our minds. All the context's gonna be removed from our minds, and we're gonna be like, this dude put up 800 yards and five touchdowns, or roughly, right? As a rookie, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty in. Um, Puka Nakua has 338 yards right now, so I think he's getting. It's a sort of a similar bet. Like he's just gonna be, like at the end of the season, one way or another, he's probably gonna have a pretty strong production. Uh, line from his rookie season and that will buoy his his ADP value um, regardless of all the other chaos that how mad occur, so. how mad will people be if at the end of the season Tutu Atwell has more fantasy points than than Puka Nakua well I'll be, be somewhat mad Liam but he will make my life so miserable because I wouldn't bid an extra $30 on our main event team for Tutu Atwell we bid we bid a shit ton for Puka and the one that I call in with him, but I also oh. bid I bid like one eleven for two two in every league where he was available, so I have him a bunch. Yeah, we this we is I'm sure I'm sure what every person wants to hear about on this Dynasty podcast is my Cohen main event teams, but they will. Um and it was we bid so much for for Puka. We bid seven hundred and fifty two and we got him. But 
he was like, I might also need to spend like the rest of this on Tutu. And Ron and I were like, absolutely not. This is Ron Stewart. Uh, and funny enough, I bid $52 universally for Tutu, which secured him on like 80% of the teams, but not the one with Liam. And now every single time Liam catches a pass, he's just in our group chat, just like messaging us about Tutu. I, Liam, and we Liam is the most, hall. like Liam, <laughs> Liam has like infinite amount of time to chirp his co-owners because literally the yeah. second, the second anything happens related to our main event team, he is in. He is in the thread with me and Kyle being like, I can't believe you motherfuckers. Like literally he would like monitor my drafts to see where I was taking Luke Musgrave. And if I ever took Luke Musgrave on a team, he'd be like, Oh, you like him more than Hunter Henry. Oh, interesting. And now of course he's having to eat the Hunter Henry shit because Hunter Henry is tight end three in fantasy. Liam's doing it right. Because like when I first got obsessed with fantasy, this is like how, you know, it was chirping at people. It was just like the, the joy of like, now I'm like, I barely have enough time to to manage the stuff that I'm in. I'm, there's like there's dynasty leagues that I'm not managing well at all. Like there's you know I have to prioritize stuff. Um, Liam's just living. Like, I, I think he doesn't living, have man. 17 dynasty teams like like we do. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So I wish have 17 cool. dynasty teams. Um, <laughs> speaking, speaking of my 17 dynasty teams in air quotes, have you guys done any Puka trades? No, no, uh, I, okay. I have him. I have him in two. Okay. I took him. I, um, the, the last thing here is that I, what I would you, what him. would you, what would you need to move? Well, Cause I, that's always the thing, right? You, are you I, I've done honest? two. I've done two Puka trades. Let's hear it. One going out. I mean, the thing, basically anytime there's a player like this with a high variance value, my idea is you just want to be in trades because you can just kind of arbitrage it. Like you sure. can just probably trade them for a lot and you can like trade a little less for them. And if your portfolio stays the same, but you just like add an extra second round pick here, you know, get an extra second round pick there. Like you're just kind of coming out ahead and taking advantage of the wide gap in value. So I did, uh, I get, I traded Puka away for a 24 one. That's like, could be kind of mid, like maybe it'll be four or five, maybe it'll be six, six seven and a 26, two. And then I moved four Puka the overall deal was Watson, a late 24-1, a my own 25-1 on a pretty high-value team, so hopefully late, for Lawrence, Puka, and a third. We had basically already had the Watson, a late one, and Lawrence in place. So I considered it basically my 25-1 for Puka and a 24-third. Hmm. I think 2024 first is fair. I would probably accept that in any league where i had him again i, yeah, I need to be I, I would take like a mid 2024 first I, I would take in exchange for giving puka like, I, See, so like he, me... he offers me that right away and i was like i need the extra two and if he had said no i would have like been in a state of crisis for the rest of the day right i wouldn't have been able to decide i was really grateful that he just said yes please frankly i probably should ask for two twos like if you might have given me two ones like I'm, I'm actually not sure in hindsight he was very excited but uh yeah, it would be on the edge, the mid-24-1. I think, I think yes. Like, I think the answer is just yes, you take it. But Because you're not given that, right? No, no, I'm not giving that. Yeah. No, you're not giving it. You might yeah. want to take it. All right. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to drop a nuclear a nuclear take here, um, which is that it's over for Justin Fields. I am out. I'm out of the Justin oh, Fields wow. business. Um, I do not have him in any leagues. In fact, I sold him for a for the 101 in a league 
um, so to get to get Bijan Robinson. Nice. Um, that if, I, if, I, if I had Justin Fields, I would take. I mean, I would shop him around a little bit to try and find a believer. I wouldn't just take. You Oxford. don't trade him now. I, I have him. I, I traded. I lost a trade mm-hmm. where I gave Trey Lance to get Justin Fields, and the reason I lost that trade is because I had to include picks to yeah. do so, and I would just rather have Lance in the picks now. So, but you don't. I don't think you trade him. So I'm in that position. I, I'm. I'm. But I don't. I'm just holding, man, because he will run at some point this sure. season. And he is elected. Run, 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 run away from Chicago. I guess what I'm you, saying hopefully, is that man. Hopefully. It's this is why I think it will be a dead, uh, sort of a, a dead cat bounce, which is that his he is going to enter quarterback hell. He is going to enter Carson Wentz zone where he becomes okay. Do we want to structure our whole offense around what this guy can do? He's got to be with the right coach. Like they're not picking up his option. This is not like it's over. It's it is over for him in. Chicago, it's not happening. No, it's not because he's in his third season, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, is, would he even start for them next year? Like, are are they already are they already looking to get out from underneath? I mean, I could see him starting next year if they somehow win enough games where yeah. Caleb and Drake May aren't an option for them, and but, they're but like, you want to like trade up? and and Shader Sanders. There's there's going to be four quarterbacks who are projected as first round picks. I think. Yeah. If, Every year, there's four or five quarterbacks that are projected as first-round picks at this time of year, and then usually, like, someone gets Jimmy Clausen and someone gets Will Levis, and like, right, that would be like, that would be yours this year, I think. Will Levis right. was like and, and third maybe, in PFF's uh, rankings at this time last year, and I think actually, I think it's all pretty good for the draft. So, but I'm I'm not gonna say like those guys aren't or whatever. I, I just my take on it is like Williams and May are legitimately going top five, and then there might be a third or a fourth or a fifth other guy that goes in the first round. But I, I just don't think that it's it's assured at this point. And like I don't even when Mel Guyper is like it's a lock. It's like yeah, well Will Levis was like like minus ten thousand to be the fourth overall pick for about five minutes last year. That that didn't happen. Um, so I think it's possible, but they 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 would need to be out of the Williams May range. It also might even just not be possible, right? Like if he's just this bad the whole year, they might that's, be like, we're going to That's up, what I'm saying. Or I just we're going to just like I, sign a veteran or we're going to do literally anything else but you. Um, yeah. I, I think all those things are possible. I, I also think it's pretty possible that someone else would just give him a shot. Like maybe they don't, but um, I, I just could see several teams without quarterbacks. Like, I don't know, like the Falcons, for instance, right? Falcons, they're not going to be picking very high. Um, they're going to win enough games. Like, but like Desmond Ritter obviously stinks and Arthur Smith um, is like going to look for new ways to torture us with Kyle Pitts and like Justin Fields like, seems like a great way to, to torture us even further. So like, why wouldn't they just go and get him and run the ball, you know, 55 times per game? Yeah, like, we, I mean, we like said that, we said that with Lance, we said that with Tannehill, like I just, I, I think you're just wished like any sort of positive field future outcome is, is wish casting of literally uh, like, Davis, I, I literally said he's, his I've, team is going to be we'll take anyone but you and Atlanta was like sure we'll take a flyer on this guy because we don't mind quarterbacks who can't pass and yeah like, that's too positive <laughs> no it, the other thing is like we're three weeks into the season I remember like there was a there was this a league is true where I floated, this is true I floated picking up fields off waivers in a high stakes league last year was available and it was like what's the point yeah right. that was that was the reaction we got, we didn't we didn't pick him up and it was super. I scary. actually I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because 
to start 2022, he attempted 17 passes, 11 passes, and 17 passes. He threw for 121 yards. Yeah, 70 yards and 106 yards. He threw two touchdowns in his first game, zero touchdowns in his next two games, two picks over that span. He attempted 11 rushes, eight rushes, and eight rushes. He never rushed for more than 50 yards. He rushed for one rushing touchdown. The highest of the three games was 15.6, half PPR points uh, in that span. In week three, he had 8.9 fantasy points. He had a worse start to the 2022 season than he's had to the 2023 season. It wasn't until week six when he started running um, at a higher rate that he actually was any good. And it wasn't until week nine when he had 178 178 yards rushing against Miami and then 147 yards rushing and two touchdowns against Detroit, 240 points back to back. Then he had three straight 20 points after that. He had 20 points in week 17. That's how you got the Justin Fields price that we got. It was a terrible start to the season. They finally were just like, screw it. We just got to use this guy as a, as a true rushing threat. I think they get there again. I really do. I don't think that he has a long-term future in Chicago. He's some version of sort of a rental does in he that have sense. A, th- but- I guess the larger question, though, is does he have a long-term future as an NFL quarterback? Like, I'm at the point right. where I don't think he Maybe really not. does. So I think maybe not. But I, do, I, I don't think, like, the idea of Justin Fields' round one startup pick, locked-in starter, Lamar Jackson 2.0, that's gone. We can yeah, say goodbye sure. to that. For sure. But the idea of Justin Fields as supercharged Daniel Jones, this guy kind of sucks, but he might hang around for a while, that's still totally in play, I think. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. I, I don't even know that it's like a lock or that it's even maybe not maybe not even super likely, but I, I think that it's very much in play. And that's like probably still worth like a, at least a late first round pick, maybe a little more. CJ, I'll take CJ Stroud over Fields right now. Yes, and I, I would, would I well. would definitely not have said that um, before the season. No, me me neither. And yes, I would also take Stroud. Stroud, yeah, Stroud was probably. Yes, I think looking at my rankings, Stroud was the biggest riser into like premium territory in from being like kind of like yeah. a fringy, like you pay what it is because he's a quarterback too pretty convinced this guy is is just going to be like a you know maybe he he i don't think he'll ever run that much and and maybe the texans never get there as a team that's throwing for five thousand yards or whatever but i just think he's like an above average throwing nfl quarterback like you know kirk yeah kirk cousinsy i'm not like a big eye test guy in but the sense that I, I don't do film evaluation right and especially don't do film evaluation on like running backs and wide receivers and stuff. But like I do watch a lot of football and I've watched football for a long time. And Stroud looks like an NFL quarterback. (laughs) Like that dude, when you watch him play, you're like, that's an NFL quarterback. Yeah. Like he 100% passes the eye test. I'm definitely more bullish on him than I was entering the season. Totally. Like, yeah, my, my buddy was trying to trade for Stroud off the team and I was like, Oh, I'm going to keep him. He's like, Oh, like, do you like him that much more? He's like, what? You mean like grinding him or whatever? Like you like running the film. And I was like, no, like they played the Colts this week, so I just like watched the whole just game. Watched and I was him like, this guy's pretty ass. sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we hey, we won that game, Davis, but he looks sick. Like people have Mandela affected that we won because Stroud was so impressive. Another another um, rise, another correlated riser here. I moved, I moved Tank Dell like way, way, way up too. Yeah, and that gave me no pleasure because that was like it, it annoys. Frankly, it just like annoys me when like wide receivers who are free. Um, 
all of a sudden yes, become it, legitimately valued like, dynasty it's very assets. Um, and I have some Puka, so that annoyed me last because I was benefiting from it, but I have like one share of Tank Dell maybe. Um, so it annoyed me egregiously, but I also moved him up. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm going to move him up more. Oh, I also um, moved, I, I moved Richardson up as well. I moved Richardson moved. up to ninth overall. I moved him ahead of Lawrence. I moved Dell, by the way, to uh, 111. 111. Yeah, I just moved him to 121. So Here, here's, a, here's a life comes at you fast. Nashi Harris, 110. Tank Dell, 111. My I, current ranks. I, I, Harris, I moved down even further. I maybe I didn't even the bowl rank. now. I'm at 103. I maybe didn't even rank him. Oh, I may, I ranked him 101. I, I ranked him. Rank him. I ranked him 101, but honestly, Thank you. I was so I got, I got I behind you guys behind. on Najee Harris. But the, the, thing is, the thing is, we were right the offseason, Jacob. That's all that means. Najee Harris is Najee Harris is just Gus Edwards in fantasy now. Like, like there, there was maybe a one last glimmer of hope that he'd be used a ton in the passing game. Oh. That the Jalen Warren stuff was overblown. Like it's it's dead now. Najee Harris is is not happening, and I I would. Sure, I'd give up a late second for him where I like I was starting Rico Dowdle as my running back too or something, but like right. that's he's, it. He's a, he's I'm like there. not that far above Alexander Madison now. Oh, I'm moving, yeah, I'm I mean, just moving him down until I see someone that I wouldn't actually take ahead of him now that I know I'm not. I, I, I was also, worried I was gonna be like an outlier low. I, no, I, I have no, one spot ahead of Warren now. I, should I move my head? I think Warren, I'd rather have Warren. Uh, some guys that's I actually left. a good point. Some guys I left unranked. Cam Akers left him completely unranked. I also left Mike Williams unranked, which like I don't. Uh, maybe you can piddle with that. But I, it's like, I did my update before um, his ACL was torn, so I just didn't move him out sat enough after. But yeah, he's like basically unrankable. He's like worth a late third probably. It's like it's like okay, like what are you hoping for with him? It's like I don't know. Maybe he becomes Michael Gallup. You know, it's it's like it just is not. It's not. I'm at one twenty five, which maybe is a little too high. I should move him down a little bit, but you know, he's he's about to turn twenty nine. So yeah, it'll be thirty coming off an uh, ACL tear. And he's been hurt like his entire life. Like I swear, yeah, yeah. his entire career yeah. is just like. Him going off to the blue tent to get checked. Uh, I left Smith, but I would like I would rather have him than Romeo Dobbs or something like I would sure. because sure he, he comes back in a year at the end of next year. You know, he looks. I don't think I, I don't think I ranked. Tear. I don't. I don't think I, don't I, think I would Dobbs because either. like Romeo Dobbs is gonna. Romeo Dobbs had twelve targets. He's gonna have some game that he like looks decent, and then you can you can like text somebody be like, "You want Romeo Dobbs?" But like Mike Williams isn't gonna have a game that he looks decent. That's true. Mike Williams is a guy you're like, but there's I occasionally did the the. the best version i did with this was calvin ridley where i was just like i will take calvin ridley yes yeah and i will sit on him for a year now calvin ridley is much younger and he wasn't coming off an injury so it's much more likely to work out but i will take sometimes the free mike williams mike williams is no longer the player pool and i go i think he is and then i'll take him and yeah i'd rather i i'd rather do that uh unironically with Chubb or with Dobbins like I'd rather give a fourth right now and and just stick them for for two years well Dobbins I actually feel I didn't rank Dobbins yeah I mean Uh, his career is probably over it's probably I've been been actually trading for Dobbins because I think it's like just like a total free roll like not trading anything of value but I've moved like late thirds for him I've moved Rondale Moore for him who I don't care about like 
I, I think it's just Oh see I see I moved Rondale up. I I, I oh. I'm now I'm now buying into one all my short king back, takes baby. are literally right. Like literally every short king take I had is right already. You are you are running so <laughs> hard on short kings. So so yeah. now I'm like I'm like what I'm gonna forsake Tank the original downs. short king? I'm I'm like the original short king? Two, like two. no, we gotta we gotta bring the original short king He's back because in. Because he's this mentoring coaching... all the other short kings. Well, this coaching staff <laughs> finally Puka? understands. Is Puka a short king? No, he's big. Puka's he's a like, medium-sized like, king. <laughs> he's, like medium six, he's like six one. But <laughs> right, but yeah. Rondale, I mean Rondale. Uh, this is like um, you know, Pat, you and I play in these leagues that are super deep rosters, thirty man, you know, best ball or whatever. Yeah. Rondale, obviously, in like an FFPC format, just like leave him on the waivers, whatever. He doesn't matter. But he's actually pretty attractive in these deep roster best ball ones because. He is yes. going to be active every week, and you're you will literally never be able to predict when he scores a touchdown. He will be like one of the most unpredictable guys in the NFL. But I kind of I want him in that format now for sure. Yeah, yeah. I play almost no dynasty best ball. It's like three of my quote unquote seventeen leagues. Um, if I played more dynasty best ball, I'd probably have you're you're kind of you're kind of missing out. Format. It's actually it's actually a oh I know that I'm missing fun. out. It's, it's a lot of fun. better format. I, I it's I know it's better. Like I'm I'm in enough to know that it's better. Um, I'm just not it, enough it, that I don't have to super, spend like an hour setting lineups every Sunday morning. When it just super rewards <laughs> the thing that I think we all really like, which is like I this guy who no one else wants. I'm gonna stick him right. at the bottom on my roster. Right. Like your your two two Atwells. Like I've held on to two two Atwell in these leagues for three years, and now it's finally. It also it rewards off. depth. It rewards youth. You know, it yeah. kind of hitting hitting on third round rookie picks I, is big. Like going from a big, total yeah. zero as your twenty eighth yeah. guy to a guy who scores one hundred and ten points or whatever. Actually, I don't even know if it's better. I think it's just different. I'm I definitely sure. like it. It's it does seem to me like a fundamentally different game. It is, and it's, and it's like a fundamentally different game. different game that is like not actually discussed that much in content, which is interesting. So like we should probably it is interesting because it's in like industry. I think it's most common among nerds like, industry like leagues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I wonder because I I tend to think that I like the my favorite leagues are either those super deep best ball leagues where all the roster spots actually matter or shallow leagues, not shallow. FFPC shallow leagues, which I think are basically keeper leagues. But yeah, uh, like like around like 20, 22 roster spots because oh, that's really shallow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like those types of leagues a lot. Well, FFPC, you cut down to 14 in the offseason. So well, that's definitely that's not yeah. a dynasty league. <laughs> yeah. But you um if even around 2022, you will find stuff on the waiver wire. So it's a more stud heavy league, but yes. there's there's also like there's kind of this natural, it feels more like a high stakes league, basically. So I like I like that. I like kind of the ultra shallow non-FFPC or uh the deep best ball. Yeah, I I agree. All right, let's go through some of the guys we are buying on, like risers that we are that we actually don't think are rising too high. Um, I I got a couple here. Tutu and Wandale are Wandale would probably be my number one biggest guy. Like if you can get Wandale for a third right now, I, I would say. I mean, I have sent that out in all my leagues. Like the mm-hmm. fact that he came back from the ACL so quickly and then got five targets on nine routes in his very first game after tearing his ACL less than 10 months ago. It's again, like everything um, that, that we sort of think uh, a chain. I, I might give a first for a chain. I, I really might like the, 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 
player style, offensive coordinator, quarterback fit. It's, it is, it's perfect. It is, it is literally, you cannot imagine a more perfect confluence of so those things. I was going to bring him up because I ended up being the highest on HN. I did my ranking oh, update. That's because I did my rankings before Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it is, is that I did them after Sunday and maybe you guys did it, but I ended up at 68 on HN. That's one spot or two spots that, where I ended up being ahead of Puka. I have him ahead I, of Puka. A-Chain a- over Puka for sure, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm definitely Puka over A-Chain. What? Yeah, I'm A-Chain over Puka. This A-Chain, guy, okay. A-Chain is Tony Pollard, man. Yeah, this this dude is absolutely... Yes, I've been electric. saying this for three years, but what? We're doing yeah. over Puka Look, he, over one game with a 40% snap share? Okay. Who gives a shit what his snap share was? Yeah, I don't I, care. It could have been 20%. This guy, like he, oh, I hate this. He is it. I'm getting bullied out of the take on my favorite player. This is miserable. Raheem Mostert is ahead of him. Raheem Mostert is 31 years old. Jeff Wilson has some mysterious injury that they won't even say that he might keep him out for the whole season. Jeff Jeff Wilson Jr. is done. Jeff Wilson's done. He only matters if one of the other guys gets hurt. It's over. Right. Salvin Ahmed was what I believe a healthy scratch this past week. No, yeah, Chris, he was injured. He, he was, he was dinged. He up. was injured. Okay, Chris Brooks is the only other guy like on the depth chart. You know, super yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Super doesn't matter. He was drafted in the third round specifically because of his speed. Uh, he he had a, the type of profile where he was like a traditional running back in college. He wasn't just yes. this you know like rotational dude. He does not look to me like he's 188 pounds out there. No, like he he's looks. Not. He looks like a legit his, NFL his first, running back. His first touchdown, he broke three tackles. Yeah, his, his best metrics in college were forced missed tackles and relative success rate versus teammates. Like his profile does not look like a 188-pound running back. My, my comp for him outside of Jamal Charles was a poodle who's barking at a bear because he doesn't know how small he is. And then the bear is like, I think you're bigger than me and goes away. Like that's Hayden, how Hayden Winks was. is punching. Sorry, Devon right A. Now. Chan. Devon A. Chan. Dude, I mean, he looks. It's it's a little Chris Johnson-y to me. Yeah. It's a little Chris Johnson. Yeah, I actually think unreal. Chris Johnson is Chris Johnson is the better comp than Charles, just because I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on any Jamal Charles comp ever. Yeah, but Chris yeah. Johnson feels very fair. And it's look, it's a style Tua, comp for me. Tua is the favorite to win MVP right now. Now, I don't think that that holds up, but they just put up 70 points against the Broncos. Maybe that's making me a little overenthusiastic, but like the offensive environment, the Mike McDaniel is an amazing coach. He's got a quarterback yeah. who is more than competent to, to run the offense. He's got Tyreek and Waddle wasn't even in the game where they scored 70. You know, they're not even at full strength and they put up 70 on the Broncos. I mean, it's wild. They were playing undrafted free agent Julian Hill as their starting tight end uh, ahead of yeah. Derm Derm. Who Derm I'll Smythe. be adding on FFPC everywhere this week. Oh, big big time! Wild. Yes, yeah, big time. Um, Climbing up on Julian Hill. A chain is like you know an emerging again. He was a third round pick. He's drafted yes. specifically for the speed. I think he's going to end up being the starter by the end of the season, most likely. Even if A-Chain, he's not, he's going to enter next year as the starter. I'm going to I'm going to throw one out to you guys. You're in a you have a decent team, not a great team, right? You you let's yeah. say let's say right now you're 2 and 1, favorite to make the playoffs, but far from being a favorite to win. 
someone someone you have Javante Williams, someone offers you Devin A chain. What do you do? I want I think I want a chain. I think I like that. And I'm looking at my ranks being like, I'm wrong about this. Like, well, my like here's, here's one I, I feel strongly about. Like um, now this was before Sunday. So this is might not reflect your, your act, your thoughts at this moment, Jacob, but you have Damian Pierce ahead of, of, oh, of H on. No, it doesn't. Over. I, I, I did these, I did these rankings okay. prior to the games Sunday. So my A-chain ranking in this case has like no bearing on what my actual A-chain ranking would be, which I'm currently trying to figure out what it should be. Right. Um, it's not that. Let's see. All right. I'm going to move. I'm going to just scroll up until I see someone that I think you should be ahead of. I have Javante ahead of him. Like when I look at my rankings, I'm like, I'm too low. Yes. I, I'm having like, the same thought. I, I have Javante ahead of him, which I don't really feel that confident about. Uh, yeah, the Denver situation is just like such a mess. And you you try to not be a prisoner of the moment. Like, obviously, we're doing this right after a game. We're saying we're adjusting these rankings based off one game. But also, uh, when a guy scores 50 points, that feels like a pretty big signal that he is going to score more fantasy points in the future. Also, like when he is a rookie and like, again, like to the to the Terry McLaurin to the Puka discussion, like all these points will be banked and will be used forever as part of the case for right. him. Like they're, they're always going to count. And so like, it's this weird thing where like, you kind of want to dismiss it because it's like, it's one game. It's, but I think maybe we have a tendency to like almost over dismiss the production because it, it will, it will, we're going to reference his points Ab- per game. Absolutely. We do. I career, mean, this was, this was you know? something that Sam would talk about a lot on ADP chasing, which is that like the mm. best way to figure out uh, like what a guy is capable of is to see what he's been capable of in his career. And the market like really discounts that stuff sometimes. Cause they get so excited about young players, which like with a chain is sort of like, it's like both things, right? It's like, we're so excited. I mean, the guy was a fucking healthy scratch 15 days yeah. ago. You Life know, comes at you fast. It, it comes at you real. It does. Um, it comes so at you just, especially just, fast when Devon is really running at you because he's the fastest guy in the league. Maybe this guy's incredibly he fast. He literally is. He's a ten point one four in the hundred meter. That's like like track. That's like elite track speed. Is it okay? H-Han? I just is it H Chan? It's, it's, it's now H Chan. Like <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So I think part of this is just. I don't know. I sometimes I get player take imposter syndrome where like when I have a really strong take about a player and then that take looks like it's correct. And then like people freak out. My initial reaction is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that's taking it too far. Uh, <laughs> that's very thinking about thinking of you. It is. Yeah. That sounds so, like, that sounds like a thing about thinking post player take imposter uh, syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe that that might be the, that might be the title of my Friday article, honestly, as cause it'll mostly be about a chain or a chan. I like a chain so much better. So um, much better. All right. So I moved him up after hearing you guys, this like, this brought like joy to my heart and I now feel reassured in what I want to do. So I moved him up to 59. Is that still behind you guys? No, it's ahead of us now, but we are lower on Puka than you. So that's how we ended up ahead of Puka. Right. Okay, right. Okay. When you guys said you were ahead of Puka, in my mind, I just pictured my Puka ranking. Okay. I'm right. not going to move him out of Puka, but that's more of a Puka case. I'm going to move him to 59, though. So I moved him now ahead of – here's the guys that I have. I have him right behind um, 
Sam Laporta, Debo Samuel, Christian Watson, Quinton Johnston, and I have him ahead of Javante Williams, James Cook, Jerry Judy, Brock Purdy, Daniel Jones, Jahan Dotson, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson. Yeah, like I I ended up feeling so I sometimes in my ranking, this is like inside baseball and the ranking stuff, but I'll sometimes hit a wall and I'm like, I can't raise him above like I, I didn't want to raise him ahead of Purdy, but I actually think it just means I need to move Purdy up. Because A right. chain's also too low. So, like, I, I think I'd rather, I don't know. Yeah, that's where you have them seems about right. But when I I'll have to like, keep tinkering with it because I did this two seconds ago. But this is yeah. now, now we're in the range. We're in the range. Of we're in the range for sure. Yeah. 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 Now I feel too low on him. Uh, yeah. It was an unreal performance. I was looking through the rush yards over expected um, data for this week's column, and they only have it split up by week for 2020. 2021 and 2022 you can't see it, or sorry 2021 and 2022 you can't see it by week on 2020 but okay. he is the only player in this year or either of the last two years to amass over 100 rush yards over expectation in a given game pretty good wow that is who are who are some other guys that uh that as you were going through you were just like this guy is completely dead like like to the range that you you just would not have him in almost any format. Well, can we let's talk Nick Chubb, who I think you guys had yeah. as a player like that. And I didn't, but I think again, this might be um because I did mine after the news that no, he no, just I, I towards had MCL. Him. I had him I had him super low. I'm yeah, I moved him to 150 right after Tyler Algier, which is just I mean, the the teams that you are acquiring Chubb are so obvious. You're acquiring Chubb on teams that are tanking like what sure you know yeah, whatever give yeah. a pick for him but in the formats that we're talking about sort of these shallower your starting lineups are really important your roster spots are really important like you not like not only is he a zero this year obviously but like a fairly decent chance of not being 100 percent to start see that's that's the part i think i'm well, that's what I've changed. That's what I've changed my mind on. My, my ranking does reflect that because, again, I did these just before we got seemingly a shit ton of information this week. Tough, tough day to be a couple days early on the rankings yeah, update. Didn't think sure. it would make that big of a difference. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Nick Chubb. I, so I have him at one sixty, but that was with the expectation that he did tear his ACL. Um, knowing that he now did not, I think I would move him to. I'm looking at 134, which is like right behind Jalen Warren and Jacoby Myers and ahead of like Will Levis and Michael Thomas. And that's probably, I think, where I'm going. I have him at 101, um, Oh wow, which okay. is maybe aggressive, but like dude was Nick Chubb before he tore his MCL. Yeah. And apparently it's just the MCL. Sure. So maybe I'm, maybe we all saw the hit and it looked more severe than that maybe there's cartilage or something that they're not talking about maybe this is a an injury that's going to really cost him a lot of 2024 but right now you know with the information that we do have you would expect that he would be 100 for 2024 and if i can get yeah. that if i can like if i have to trade like I, like isaiah pacheco to get the potential for like one season of nick chubb at you know 90 percent I'd rather have that. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I don't think that's fair. What am I really giving up at at, at 101? You know. I think I've learned to respect the MCL a little bit more after watching Kyle Pitts run in that Twitter clip uh, this week. 
You mean that you mean where even with a bad MCL, he got literally wide open for an 80 yard touchdown? Yeah, just the MCL well, effect, yes, he did. affect uh, quarterback accuracy. Is that what you're saying? Okay, but like, you okay, I understand that he was wide open, but like, you guys like understand, like, he looked, no, no, like, it, it, he, it he, looked he was running like Zach Ertz. Yeah, like, it didn't it was, look, it was not good. impressive. Um, <laughs> and he was off a torn MCL. And honestly, frankly, I always treated the MCL as a lesser ligament until what's, that moment. what's the most and at that point, then I was like, man, maybe you don't want to tear that thing because like he doesn't look too good. Would you guys give up a 2024 first for Kyle Pitts in Super Bowl? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, stop it. Yes, I just yes, don't want to talk about it, but I would. Yes. When when do we put him? When do we put him in the Evan Ingram bin? At what stage? No, we're not. When when his peripherals sucked. Evan Ingram's peripherals sucked over his last couple of years with the New York Giants. He was like fifteen percent of the air yards and like sixteen percent of the targets. If that's ever Kyle Pitts, then I will eat the shit and I'll move him way the fuck down. But for as long as he's still racking up the prayer yards and he still has a reasonable target share, this is also his first few weeks playing off a significant injury, like. I get that, like, just being the guy, being like Kyle Pitts is fine, is an exhausting bit to have. Yeah, it's um, it's, and it's not enjoyable, I'm, Jacob, and like all I'm, of your I'm friends dying. don't want to hang out with you anymore. Nobody like trusts your advice anymore. But, like, I'm still gonna do it. Like, I'm still like I'm going to do it. He still has this incredible profile. If you just try to focus on the peripheral fundamentals, it's still so so much better than what his actual production is. And I still think, given the position that he plays. This is a really, really strong bat to at one point in time have a season that is extremely meaningful in fantasy football and has extremely meaningful in dynasty football. And you're going to be want to be overexposed until then. You're just like going to enjoy life less. And and if someone is like, I want to enjoy life more. And part of the way that I do that is trading Kyle Pitts away. I'm like, that's like, you know, it's cheaper than therapy. So I understand. But um, I'd rather keep them. Yeah, generally, like, I tend to think that, you know, you want to be one of these guys who everyone is available for trade and, you know, all my guys are available for a price. But, like, I had a I had a guy, I want to say maybe in 2019, I was, like, trying to – I was inquiring about Mark Andrews, and that was in his second mm. season. And he was just basically, like, go away. Yeah. Like, you will not be getting Andrews. Leave me alone. Andrews didn't really break out. He didn't really break out in that season. He didn't really break out. He actually kind of had a disappointing 2020. In 2021 is when we got the Mark Andrews breakout. That was the year he had the 1,360 mm-hmm. yards, the year you kind of needed him to have him to advance in best ball to the championship round. Um, I think the whole game with tight ends is just like hanging on to that guy who you think can be that next, you know, second guy behind Kelsey or maybe, you know, two years, second guy behind Andrews or whatever. And you're just praying that he actually is that guy. Pitts is still flashing the peripherals of someone who can be that guy. And I think maybe we have to wait another two years for him to actually be that guy. But like, if he ends up being one of those clear top two tight ends drafted, you know, in the first couple rounds of redraft leagues. Um, and he gets there by like 25 years old or 26 years old. He's going to then hold that down for like potentially four or five years. It's just such a smash in these tight end premium leagues that I think it's going to be like worth all the pain to get there. But 
I don't, I think it's going to be a painful journey. Like I really do. Like I think Ritter sucks. I think they, I don't know what they have to do to get another quarterback because they're like not, they're not terrible enough. I think Arthur Smith is a disaster. I'm not sure he's on the hot seat really. He's not. So yeah. So like, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel here. I mean, this is, this is like pretty early on in, in Shawshank right now. Like we are like, the, you know, the light, I don't the even light think we have the sisters under control. Like the, things are, things are bad, <laughs> but I think we get there. I mean, the biggest light at the end of the tunnel would be that Brian Tannehill might be the Falcons quarterback next year because he that's not light at the end. Of the, have you watched Brian Tannehill this no, year? No, Tannehill's guy, done. Oh He's brother, done. this guy stinks. I'm telling you, that's the light. That's the light I see. The light I Fields. see. Fields. That's not Fields, the light. Fields will uncork a deep shot at least. It won't, um, it won't be anywhere close, but he will. Ryan Tannehill, like, if, there's a lot of quarterback injuries right now. And you can use those quarterback injuries to sell Ryan Tannehill starting quarterback for really any second round pick in any year and possibly an early third in 2024. Like Crane, Crane traded. He has entered the Matt Ryan zone. Like his arm cannot throw the football any longer. It's done. It's over. Crane traded me a 2025 third round pick or I, I traded Crane a 2025 third round pick for the services of Ryan Tannehill. And I feel like Crane got one over on me. I got, I did. (laughs) (laughs) I won that. (laughs) I, I picked okay. up I Josh. Two I, first round picks for Fields, so don't don't cry uh, too hard. I picked up Josh Dobbs in every league that I'm in, and uh, yeah. the tally of players that Josh Dobbs's points have counted over: Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Like like the 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 Josh. That's Dobbs why is Dynasty, my team's afloat. Dynasty best ball giveth and it taketh away. Like you just yeah. mentioned with the Josh Dobbs thing. Like the most the most disgusting thing was I have a two tight end best ball team dynasty best ball with two tight ends and two of my first i think five picks were kyle pitts and pat fryermuth and you're and using in the first Zachary week of the season point. and in the first week of the season i used noah gray and colby parkinson yep Oof. yep didn't feel That's good rat. <laughs> yeah <laughs> didn't feel good i have a team that is absolute trash and it keeps winning every week because i'm like i guess i like i have to start zach moss you know, I have to like all these like all these dudes who've been like on my on this trash roster for years. Like I'm pretty sure I drafted Zach Moss and he's just been sitting on this stupid roster. And I'm like undefeated in this league because all the trash is is uh, uh, treasure now. Zach Moss thing is causing me personal turmoil because I, I wrote some not very kind things about Zach Moss in the offseason. And I guess I have to apologize. I, I thought that I was familiar with your game, Zach Moss, but I, I guess that I wasn't. It turns out um, that you were not. But at the same time, you saved the Colts season. So I'm pretty grateful for Zach Moss. Deion Jackson getting steamed up to running back 59 the last week of BBM only to be ceremoniously oh released after week one is like, well, one he, had the worst, he had the worst running back performance of all time. Like if, yeah. if Zach Moss running backs may or may not matter, quote unquote, but if Zach Moss was the cult starter in week one, this team is three, you know? Yeah. I think you're, <laughs> I think you're probably right. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, so let's where are you on here. Richardson? Uh, oh yeah. Hi. I just want to hear the Colts. Uh, well, I'm in, I'm in love. Um, first of all, um, I, so I have him at 11, but I really have him at 10 because, um, I had done this rank where I had Lawrence one slot ahead of him. And then I was part of a three-way trade negotiation and someone was like, I was originally getting Richardson when I proposed it. 
kind of thinking he would cost less than Lawrence. And then some, the other person, the trade was like, I want Richardson instead of Lawrence. Would you still take it with Lawrence? And I was like, nah. I need a little more. <laughs> um, and I ultimately did do it, but I, I got an extra asset for, for it. Um, and the other person in the trade was willing to give that extra asset to get Richardson instead. Uh, so he's really at 10, I, I guess is where I'm coming down. I just moved him to 10. Cause I, yeah, as we just did that thought exercise, I was like, I think I'd have him rather have Lawrence too. All right. I'm the, yeah. I'm the bull then I'm the bull. I have him at nine. I had him ahead of Lawrence oh, before we even started this. So who, um, okay. So my, my top is it Bijan. Is, is that who you don't have ahead of him? Let's see. Uh, I gotta scroll up to the top. Bijan yeah, is um, my nine. I, I've that's got, my, I've got too. Chase Lamar Richardson, Bijan Lawrence. Okay. I have, I have, well, I have Lamar higher, but yeah, I have Jefferson six, Herbert seven, Chase eight, Bijan nine, and then it will be Richardson 10. So I, wait, I so moved... who didn't you have, Davis? Lamar? Bijan. No, I have, I have Lamar over him. Um, yeah, I, I am him? lower, I'm lower on Burrow than you guys. I've got Burrow, uh, oh, behind Burrow lower. Jefferson, and I moved Herbert up as well. You have Burrow behind Richardson? I have Burrow behind. I Burrow at five, five overall. Oh, right. But we're saying, who do you have behind Richardson that we don't? Is it Bijan? Yes, Bijan at ten, okay. Lawrence at eleven. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm still Bijan ahead of Richardson. I feel like if anything, Bijan. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know who I put him up ahead of Lamar. Maybe. Are you guys you could, of Lamar? You could tell no, me anything Lamar about Bijan. Yeah. I mean, the only the only thing with Bijan, like literally the only concern is the fucking shit bum team he's on. I am so I'm already sick of it. But, but the shit bum team works for him. It works for him. They're going to keep throwing to him. Yeah. All the he, people who were like all the people who are worried about him catching passes, those people have to eat the shit because he's going to catch like 70 passes. Yeah, because Arthur Smith is like, this is passes. sick. It's yeah. like I'm running the ball, but I'm <laughs> but I'm throwing it. <laughs> He's so into it. It's like a it's like a run play. Oh, that's so it's funny. Like a, it's giving run play. That's Arthur it's Smith on TikTok. Play. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's end let's end with this. The the number one player that we would be buying right now that we think the market is um a little bit too low on. I, I will start and I will give one a guy that I think is actually gettable right now, that the market sentiment has totally gone the other way. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Uh, and I even moved Garrett Wilson down a little bit in my stuff. I mean, I'm still very high on him, but I actually just think that Garrett Wilson is the type of guy who is completely ungettable in normal circumstances, you know, sort of in like how we would think about Jefferson and Chase and these guys, whatever the Jets quarterback situation is, and it literally could change this week. I mean, they could get Carson Wentz, they could get, I mean, I, I I think Matt Ryan out of the fucking CBS booth or whatever would be better. But whatever it is, we are in the worst stretch of Garrett Wilson's career and it will never be as bad as this ever again. He's young. He's great. The Jets have shown a willingness to trade, to, to try and make things happen. Rogers, you know, will be back at some point next year. And guys like this just are, are not gettable. Um, and you could tell me we're having this conversation 18 months from now and Garrett Wilson is where, you know, where we have chase right now or whatever. Um, so Wilson is definitely mine. I love that one. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard to ride out this God awful stretch. That's you're the right, thing right. is if you give someone, if you give someone a 2024 first and 
I don't know, um, Terry McLaurin right now. They might just be like, I'm so sick of staring at Garrett Wilson's name on my bench. Like, I'll just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll do Mark Andrews. Oh, I still have that's, that's, a, that's a really good one. Just like two weird ass names. Yeah, it, it's a good Darn one. Darn it. Now I don't know who to do. You it, talk it, for a while. All right. Well, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts on on why yeah. you're going to go with him too. But um, he, look, I mean, he's coming off a quad injury. And we, we were dealing with, um, you know, this new offense. So it's like, is he, I was not particularly worried about how he was going to fit into the new offense. But he's fitting in quite well. He's getting, you know, targeted at, at still a high rate. Um, he's got 24% targets per hour run in week two. He was at 15% last week, only 17% target share. So last week wasn't quite as, as bullish as week uh, two was for him in his first game in the system, but he's running routes at an elite rate. Still. I think he's still clearly the, the focal point of the offense. Lamar um, is ran again last week, but he has been throwing more, this season, I think like everything we thought about Andrews remains the case. Like he's still one of these clear number one options in an offense. I think it's an offense that will be more uh, voluminous than it has in some of the previous seasons in which Andrews is crushed. And uh, Lamar signed long-term, like it's all good. It's all bullish, but he hasn't done anything yet. And so people are just going to be, disappointed by that and feeling like god damn i wish i was getting more out of this guy so generally with this um type of player like davis just talked about with wilson like the buying opportunity is not that he'll be cheaper it's that he will be available it's just that someone it's just that someone will literally accept the offer instead of telling you to fuck off exactly that fair market like an offer that is fair by you know whatever calculator or whatever right a fair market value right normally for guys like andrews that is a fuck right on off type of response yeah right you have to overpay there's a tax to even begin negotiations and i yes. think that tax is now no longer going to be in play so you you have a chance to just get andrews for what he's actually worth yeah. which is pretty amazing for a tight end who's still in his prime yeah i think you nailed it i don't need to add anything glad you took it <laughs> it's a great case um, I'm going to homer take this one. <clears throat> look, before all the holdup stuff came back, there were a lot of concerns about what Jonathan Taylor's season would look like. Was this O-line oh, actually this is an again or was one. it total trash? Was Anthony Richardson going to be conducive to leading to a legitimate running back scoring season? That's was a great point. score any points? And... Then a bunch of really crazy stuff happened that gave us a whole list of new Jonathan Taylor related concerns. But in the meantime, all of the old concerns have been resolved. Zach fucking Moss has been a 20 point per game running back since returning to the lineup. This offensive line is kicking absolute ass. Anthony Richardson looks like a legitimate NFL quarterback. Shane Steichen is running a really effective offense. They're playing at a high pace. And if they're willing to give Zach Moss 100% of the snaps, I don't see any reason why they're going to be pulling Jonathan Taylor off the field for any sort of third down back if he comes back into the fold. Zach Moss is that good. They got to get some touches for Zach Moss in space, buddy. So, look, I cannot, I have no read on like the gym or say of it all. It is entirely possible that Taylor comes back, stubs his toe, and then sits out for the entire rest of the season. 
But what I do now feel confident about is that if Taylor does come back and plays the rest of the season, he is going to kick absolute ass in fantasy football. And you are buying a legitimate high upside proposition. Worst case scenario is the season gets lost for silly reasons. And then he's probably somewhere else next year. But I I think that the upside case on Taylor is now as appealing as the downside case. Um, And you probably, this has to, if you are buying Taylor, this is probably the week if you're buying Taylor and it works out, you basically have to do it now. The only other way you get a lower price on Taylor is if it doesn't work out. Like if he comes back and it's like, oh, my ankle. And to be clear, like, I actually like I would buy the shit out of Jonathan Taylor. If if he just if it just seems like he's being stubborn and like, oh, he might lose a year of service. Like then I'm like, I'm deploying because because then you're just the down. Once the downside has already happened, you're going to be like some people are just going to get frustrated and just not want him on their team anymore. Yes, and so he may become a, even more of a buy at that point. But personally, right now, the, the vibes the vibes on the team are good. Yeah. By all accounts, Taylor's going to be back off. He's, he's already able to pass the physical. By all accounts, he'll be off the pup list and playing week five. I think the biggest risk is like him getting re-injured and then sitting. But I do think this is an opportunity to buy in on a player. Worst case scenario, I think you take a value hit in the short term. But that value probably does come back eventually because he is eventually going to play football games again and rise. So my guy to go by is, is Jonathan Taylor, who will be leading us to an AFC South championship this season. Your, your bull case on the Colts, I think <clears throat> makes the ridiculous trade requests that Chris Ballard was asked for, you know, include Jalen Waddle and stuff. Um, I think that makes the overall case like slightly more bullish, or at least it sort of, because Ballard's nuts and Ursay's nuts, like that definitely creates a low floor. But if we want, if we're now excited about him being on the Colts, the fact that there's no way that they're going to get a trade done because they're asking for things that are insane is potentially good. If it mean if Colt, if, if Taylor is willing to play for the Colts, right? Like he's, if he's willing to play for them, he's going to be there. And all of a sudden, that looks kind of fun. So right. I feel a lot better about the situation than I did right before the season. Um, I mean, right before the season, I was like, is he not going to play football this year? And it seems like he's, it's trending towards him actually returning. Yeah. I, to me, it's what happens after the return that I still have no idea about, but I, I think it's worth finding out like his, his keep trade cut value, which I'm sure is a in perfect encapsulation of his value in every single one of your leagues is like currently in the mid fourth. Um, I am ranked considerably higher than the mid fourth. Um, yeah, I think, I think we've gotten the answer to basically all of the questions that aren't contract holdout injury related. I think the other nice thing too, is a backdrop to all of this bonanza in the off season was, you know, well, the organization doesn't really care if he doesn't play this year because they're going to suck. And Taylor probably doesn't care if he plays this year because they're going to suck. But like, I think that the, the calculus kind of on all sides, it's a little bit different if they're good. Just like it's more appealing to play for a, a potential playoff team if you're the Colts and like and if Richardson's competent more, and like you know this is right like it seems fun right like it's not like like it's, it's less miserable maybe if you're the Colts maybe you're even a little bit more inclined to like maybe we do try an extension I doubt it but maybe it's somewhat possible um I mean it's it's partially the Colts looking good and then it's partially the Jaguars looking bad but like the playoffs are no longer unrealistic for this team like they're gonna play the Jaguars in like three weeks in like a pretty massive game for them. It's, um, it's yeah, I just think things are looking up on this environment where it's no longer this kind of like bears-esque clown show. 
it's now like Jim is still a clown, but the team is going in the right direction in spite of him. He's a clown, yeah, and- but they drafted Josh down, so they saved the whole operation. <laughs> the uh the thing about <clears throat> the thing about Taylor too is like uh ah uh, damn it. What was my point? I forget what my point was. Sorry, guys. I mean I guess like it just it's it it comes back to the does is this guy available and ta- Taylor used to be for me it used to be he was the sort of guy who you would just not get who would just not be available and now he is for sure available like you send a 2024 first for him right now you're getting him I, I would think in a lot of spots I remember my point so Ballard seemed to be insisting that that basically Taylor was like jumping the line on the contract negotiation, which wasn't really true because they tended to negotiate at this point with guys who they, that they give extensions to. Right. I believe that, you know, that, that to not kind of start the negotiation with them was kind of a slight on the Colts part. But I think basically my read on it was like Ballard was annoyed because he wanted to just like have Taylor sit there patiently while they figured out if Richardson was any good. And then they right. could talk about maybe negotiating with the running back. Um, Richardson looking good is, you know, a, you know, and it seems sometimes with like the Lamar situation, remember like Lamar in the offseason, you know, there's no way he's going to sign Baltimore. This thing's, this thing's deteriorated. It's over. And then he signs with Baltimore. Like, I think these contract situations, they can go like pretty far towards this. There's no way these, these two parties will ever work together again. And then they, they end up signing something like I, I actually am maybe starting to become optimistic that they just like sign Taylor to something that probably not like next week or the week after, but he plays for them and then ends up signing a deal after the season, something like that. Well, that's, that's supposed, I mean, that's what the Colts have apparently always planned for, which is like that they were, you know, they were like, Taylor was hurt. He was injured. This team is in flux. You know, let's see if he's back to 2021 Taylor and then we'll sign him, which I, I totally get. If you're Taylor, it's like, yes, you want to make sure that all of your downside is entirely priced out while I put all of my downside on the line. And then you would like yeah. to make a decision. Like I could see how that's attractive for you and really shitty for me. Um, so like, I'm totally on his side of this, but uh, that, that was the plan. Like it definitely was never the line from Colts, like reporters, um, not just Ballard propaganda, but like the people that are covering the team has never been like the Colts have no interest in Jonathan Taylor playing for them, not on a rookie contract. It's always been like they are very interested. They just don't want to extend and then have him not look fully returned from this injury or this offense is just a mess. They don't want to invest in the running back, like all of those things. So, I, I mean, at the end of the day, like I think money can um, put a lot of hurt feelings to the side for a few years. And if he does come back and has a good year, and they offer him a bunch of money after the season, then maybe people don't um, forgive, but they they certainly move on and play football. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to, like, go over to Ertz's house and look at his stupid guitars and hear his dumb stories. But, like, and that's going to be rough. <laughs> but, you know, they'll pay him enough to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yep, I'm with that. I would also, uh, I would extend Tony Pollard to this list as well, just if there's any buying off. Like, he, the, his role looks so freaking good. Like, I Rico Dowdle did just score uh 14 fantasy points, but he did it on 10 snaps. I mean, the this this Pollard he, is he the Tony Pollard? The Tony Pollard is he <laughs> Well, every every running back looks better playing 10 snaps a game than they do playing 70 it's, snaps a game. Tell me about it. I just put a chain uh, up to 12th in my rankings. Yeah. 
it's pretty it's it's, it, it's like both like satisfying and tilting to see like Hayden Winks tweets with like half PPR expected points per game and see Tony Pollard as like the guy who you like expected more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I've never, I've never experienced this side of Tony Pollard before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the Zeke the Zeke haters are going to get their due when his, Tony Pollard He's in his, Tony... his Zeke era right now. Well, Pollard's going to score 315 PPR points, but he's going to have like 417 expected or something. Like it's going to be well, it's going to be one of those spots. Remember the last the last stage of the Zeke cope was that he was just taking all the hard touches that were like right. low expected values somehow because yes, they were yeah, too yeah. up the middle or whatever and Pollard yeah. got to do all the fun stuff. And <laughs> you know, well they were correct. Maybe they were onto something a little, but, just but, a little, just a little. But the thing is, is Pollard is also like he's not had like a Pollard, you know, sixty-yard touchdown yet, and no, like that's I don't really is, yeah. I don't, I don't really see anything from his running style that's like, oh, he he looks worse or he looks different or he, right. you know, like I maybe the explosive plays cut down a little bit because he's focused more on success rate or whatever, you know, like he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to mess up. Yeah. I think he's also, been totally like, I think he's been totally fine. It's just yeah, I mean he but what you said is correct. Like he is just getting a lot of like gross carries now. So he's mixing those in and that's that's depreciating the value of each touch. And then he hasn't broken one yet. But I agree. He looks totally capable. He had he's had a few runs that go for like 20 to 25 and on those you still see at the top here. I'm still yep. very in on Pollard cuz the workload and and he is pretty young but I you know PSA to these NFL teams like Pollard is 26 now like if you have an explosive 24 year old don't like wait two years yeah don't don't him make like him this. don't make him wait <laughs> yeah <laughs> just use him while he's amazing because like yeah there's a chance that pollard isn't as good as he was two years ago like well yeah i mean know. he he said this right he said like i spent my whole offseason being prepared for getting 30 touches game which probably means he's probably a little bit heavier he probably did less like sprinting type work and probably more you know, like yep. getting bigger, getting stronger type stuff. I mean, just, and I viewed that as a positive in the off season. And I do still think it is, if it means you get 17 games of him, but right. it does probably mean he's a little bit slower and a yeah. little bit less agile. Do you guys still have anxiety every time he's down on the field and a teammate like comes to lend a hand? I get anxiety like, every time. I get anxiety every time he gets tackled. I mean, honest yeah. to God, like just every time he gets tackled. Cause I'm so ready yeah. for the Zeke bros to be like, see, I told you, I told yeah, you. Like, I don't, I used to find Tony Pollard games so enjoyable as my favorite part of every week, and and now I I actually don't. I just find that they're like miserable, anxiety inducing. I I like in the which Jets I just game? pray for him to remain healthy, and then I breathe a massive <laughs> sigh of relief when the game ends. The Jets game, I was like angry. What I was a like, hobby! St- I was like, stop, stop giving him the ball. Like, please like, bring Rico Dowdle. I know in the Jets game. I have like, I mean, I can, I have like a pseudo familial like relationship with Tony Pollard at this point where I'm just like so invested in his personal success and people's appreciation of him on Twitter. But like, I just like, I, I could can't not enjoy more. this season if Tony Pollard like suffers an injury or yeah. fails. Like I'm just so protective of my, of my like adult pseudo son. Um, so like, <laughs> I just, I need, I just need this to go out. <laughs> I'm just like, please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. And then hurt. he'll like he'll make like one bad run out of like ten. And I'll be like, it's okay, Tony. Like, do better next it's time. Okay. Right? I would it's never. I would ne- like Tony Pollard. I will. Very objective him. analyst. I will never. <laughs> yeah, <blame him>. just... <laughs> oh, it was the lines. It was the lines' fault. It was the lines' fault. You know. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, okay, last guy. But A-Chain, he's still in the Pollard stage. So he's just like like the early Pollard stage. So there it's just like pants off, like watching this guy yeah. run around. Yeah. Well, your pants last seem guy that on, we got to go. DeAndre Swift, <laughs> lead running back. Back-to-back 130-plus yard rushing games for the Philadelphia oh, Eagles. Uh, I moved him a lot. Uh, I moved yeah, him I moved too him because, well remember, I was, I was a bear. I was the DeAndre Swift yeah. bear. Now, I, I got – sold back in on him as the off season went, especially after Sean made him number one in the zero running back list. But I was the bear of the three of us. And all, all of my bear stances look dumb as shit because Rashad Penny doesn't exist. No, yeah, I, I flipped hard on him late off season when we got the bad penny news. Like that's when I was just like, Oh, you're seeing a 27 year old running back who's coming off a million injuries and um, like didn't sign for any money is not that good at camp. I was like, yeah, that seems to check out. And then I went like very aggressive on Swift, but more in best ball and seasonal than dynasty. Like I'm still yeah, yeah, touch yeah. and go in dynasty. Um, he's looked awesome. I, I think he's looked awesome in the way that, he's able to look awesome. Like, I don't know that he's a fundamentally different player or anything. I think it's just, no, it's yeah. he's like a really explosive the holes player. Are the holes are bigger. That's it. an offense where he can drive a truck through the hole. Yeah. The holes are yeah. freaking massive and he runs through them faster than Kenny. He literally will run through a hole. Then he'll pause within the hole and like pivot and run like diagonally <laughs> yeah. the other way. Like he has enough time and room <laughs> to do stuff like that. And like, great. That because because when that stuff works, it's really fun. I'm yes. I'm a big yeah. fan. Like my my fun. take, uh, my take is that it looks really fun to play running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. It does, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I I think it's actually really interesting because we have him. I'm at 73. Davis is at 70, and Jacobs at 74. So we. All so kind pretty of strong consensus. Yeah, yeah, and I and I feel good about this ranking. I I thought he was, and I stand by this. I think you know, entering the season, he he should have been viewed as a win now piece because it's like the Eagles are probably looking at him as a rental, you know. But he did have some additional upside for like if he smashes, is he going to you know get another year with the Eagles? He's young, so he has this. It's like a win now piece with with potential you know upside beyond that, but. Um, you know, I'd put him one spot ahead of James Cook was kind of where I, I land. Actually, no, that's where he spits out in our rankings and, and I have them back to back in mind. So, uh, that's kind of, that was kind of like a reference point for me as I settled on the final rankings. It's like, I mean, Cook isn't a rental exactly, but like this was his chance to kind of emerge as the clear guy. The, the bills could end up bringing someone in next year. Like, and, and I don't, it doesn't feel to me like he's really getting it done, at least from that fantasy perspective that we want. And Swift does seem to be seizing the Eagles backfield, which is a more valuable backfield. So uh, I don't know. This is kind of, it's kind of exciting for Swift for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would, it's hard for me to come up with exactly the situation where I would trade for him because trading for like, if like, these are like the worst trades to make like running backs with like out a certain, you know, a certain multi-year future. But I guess it is just one of those things where it's like, I think those are points that are available and gettable. So if you need some running back points, like maybe just do it, you know, like I got, yep. I got plenty of teams where, you know, my planet running back too is like Isaiah Pacheco or whatever. And he ain't, he ain't getting the points that are, that are needed. Um, right. All right. Let's, Let's get out of here. Let's we we this is just, we we kept the people long enough here. Um, Jacob, tell the people thinking about thinking, and then Corrine, tell the people what you have going on at Legendary Upside. 
Yeah, you can find all my uh, written work, Thinking About Thinking. Um, I just wrote the um, Hitchhiker's Guide for this week. Came out, I think, I don't know, it was supposed to auto-email out. So I think like two hours ago, probably while I was sleeping in. Um, and we wrote a lot about Dylan A-Chain. Um, of course, I'll have my later in the week column up soon. I think I'm going to have a uh, dynasty-focused um, sort of an early season dynasty strategy column next week on thinking about things. If you like the dynasty stuff, make sure to check that out um, right after week four's games. And of course, everything else we're doing on the podcast feed and I'll talk to Davis. Um, but the upcoming DFS late uh, later this week. Yeah, Legendary Upside got the walkthrough publishing late Thursday nights. Um, so that that's basically the big in-season content I'm doing right now other than these dynasty rankings, which I'll be updating um, by the time you listen to this and, uh, yeah, sign up for the walkthrough. You can get a, or sign up for legendary upside, get the walkthrough every week. Uh, I'm doing like a free preview of both the walkthrough itself and the audio version where I narrate the article, uh, on the legendary upside podcast feed. So, um, you know, if you listen to this, uh, not on that, make sure to check that out. It's like, it was like an hour long last week. So you're getting, you're getting a lot of, of free audio content if you want to go that route. Um, but I also narrate the whole thing for premium subscribers. There we go. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. I will be back, uh, depending on the order that you're listening to us, with the waiver wire stuff and with Jacob on Thursday. See you then. Bye.